The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazley Lambray, and I'm joined by my brother and colleague, teammate, running mate, all-around Paisan, my man, Michael the Pod Pina. What's going on, brother? Not too much, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm 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 still reeling from all the sports that I'm watching. I'm doing NFL. I'm doing World Cup, of course. We're keeping up with the NBA, which is what we're here to talk about today. But I'm quite happy with the amount of sports I'm in take. I feel like a kid again because I want to say around 20, uh, 2010, whenever it was that LeBron did the decision, I almost it was like that kid that used to play a lot of sports and started concentrating on the one sport. That's how mm-hmm. I became with the NBA. It became an obsession. Like college football, college basketball, I shed. I still kept up with the Jets and the Mets, kind of. But I was just so devoted to the NBA because of that LeBron story. And, you know, it just, it was a laser focus. And then as I got older, I started refining baseball. I got back into college football. I've never picked college basketball back up because it's just a crap product. But that's neither here nor there. Can I tell you the the college basketball game that was the last one I seriously watched as a Please fan? Please tell me. It was Butler UConn National Championship. I think both teams shot a combined fifteen percent from the field, and I was like, "I'm done. I'm not watching this anymore. This is ridiculous." So that was Kemba Walker, right? Yep, Kemba yeah. Walker versus Gordon Hayward. I think. Yes. So Kemba Walker 
I watched that game too, but I remember not watching the season, barely paying attention to March Madness. But I was like, oh, snap, Kemba's in the championship game. <laughs> and Kemba, you know, to this day, I still have a rooting interest for because he was a freshman in high school at Rice in the CHSAA when I was a senior. And so I still feel an attachment to all CHSAA guys. So anybody that would do well in the Big East or in the cases like somebody like Russell Robinson at Kansas, I always wanted to see those guys do well. So, yeah, Kemba, I definitely paid attention to that game. But, yeah, wow, Drek. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. So, yeah, I think the last college season – that I like that I followed from beginning until end was Derrick Rose at Memphis and that championship game against Kansas and you know Mario uh, Chalmers baby Chalmers Sherrod Collins all of those guys that was the last college basketball season which would have been what 08 I don't even know when that was right that I would have been like oh snap I'm paying attention to college basketball like a real live fan but that's over but yeah that was sorry for the digression, but I just had to dump on the NCAA product just one last time. <laughs> Want to talk to you today. We're going to get into Boston's sort of rocky, and I put rocky in brackets, West Coast swing. And I say this because I went to the Los Angeles Clippers game on Monday, and I, let's just say I was in the company of a few Celtics fans. And a slight panic was starting to set in, which I was quite amused by. So that's why I wanted to talk to you about, like, what should the panic meter be? But first, man, I want to talk about a team that actually is in panic mode, and that's the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry just went out with a shoulder injury. <laughs> and they're saying he's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. And, Mike, I have to admit, I recently went on... Samus Fendiari and Andy Lou's podcast, Light Years Pod, those guys are like essentially the Mike Francesa and Chris Russo of Warriors Twitter. And because they're so deep in the weeds with the partisans, it's like there was already panic mode. And I was on there just like sort of putting out fires. Like the Warriors are going to be fine. They have championship pedigree. Their starting five is still like sort of a bit of a juggernaut. They got to shore up the bench a little bit. It's going to be great. Don't worry. And then inevitably this Steph injury happens. And if this guy is gone for a month, let's say, and these guys are in the 10th seed right now, this, this, is, this is bad, Mike. So we're recording this on the day that Tim Bontemps' ESPN straw poll came out for MVP, and I was fortunate enough to participate in said straw poll, and I had Steph number two on my poll, mm -hmm. and that's because this man is averaging 30 points a game, <laughs> 50, 40, 90 shooting splits. Ridiculous. The on-offs, I don't really care that much about their record or their place in the standings in, we're not even at Christmas. I don't really care that much. I care about their bludgeoning people when he's on the court and they're getting destroyed when he's off the court. Yeah. And I have just, there's so many on-off numbers you can look at that really symbolize and represent just how dominant he is and how influential he is. You can look at effective field goal percentages for basically all of his teammates are so much better when he's on the floor. That's not a coincidence. <laughs> you can look at the basic offensive rating, which is first in the NBA by about, it's about a point better than the Celtics when he's on the court and like seven points below the last place team when he's <laughs> off the court. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, I mean, he's everything for them. He always mm-hmm. has been. Their record since, I have this written up right over here. Their record since he was drafted when he doesn't play is 67 and 133. So <laughs> I think that, you know, obviously there's championship pedigree. There's Draymond Green. There's a lot of pride. There's Clay Thompson. There's talent there. Steve Kerr still the head coach. But I don't, I, like, this could be bad. Like, they're not coming from a place of strength. When he got injured last year, they were in a pretty yes, good spot they were as a team. First in the West or something. They were, like, on pace to win 66 games or something crazy like that. Right. So now they're down in the standings. They're not, because of how muddled everything is, 10th place or whatever they're in sounds a little worse than the actual games behind of how many games they would need to catch up to win to kind of get back in the the top six there. But it's not it's not good without him on the court. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but like anyone who thinks that you you can just slide Jordan Poole in and be fine, I have bad news for you. You you will not be fine. Jordan Poole is not good. So that's it's, <laughs> it, it, it's this could be a tough sledding for the Golden State Warriors and their schedule. I think they have four road games coming up against four pretty good teams. A long stretch at home afterwards. We'll see how long Steph is out, but this is going to be an interesting part of their season. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm looking at the standings, right? Right now, they're 10th in the West. You know, let's just... You mentioned it being muddled. Phoenix is fourth, and Golden State is only three games behind them, right? Right. And so, that's six places in the standings separated by three games. Like you said, it's really jumbled up there. But the problem for the Warriors right now, as I see it, is that the two teams directly behind them, the Timberwolves and the Lakers... You know, we can reasonably assume that they're going to do better than the Steph-less Warriors, reasonably. Those two teams have their own issues and problems, but we could reasonably assume that. And the guy and the teams ahead of them, the only people that you might expect, and I would argue that you shouldn't, to ha- go through a free fall, it's not Dallas, it's not the Clippers, it's not the Kings, it's not the Blazers, it's Utah. And the only way that'll happen is if they do some kind of fire sale. And I just watched them beat up on New Orleans last night. And who, like, you know, Justin says every single media member is pegging them for the championship. They beat them twice. They beat them in overtime. They just beat them twice. They whooped their asses earlier this week. And then they, they, you know, sort of toughed it out in overtime. I'm just like, man, these guys, by the time Steph gets back could be in a really bad way. And, you know, this is these are the kind of things that fans worry about and coaches worry about, right? The kinds of people who live and die with every single game-to-game result. It's like, look, if we were, you know, 23-8 and eight right now, so what? You know, we we plummet in the standings and, and Steph comes back and whatever. We get back to like, Steph gets us back to like the fourth or third seed or whatever. And we're still in good place. We're still in good standing for the playoffs and all of that. When you are at 10th and the MVP and the single most indispensable player on your roster goes down for an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah, I'm finally worried about the Warriors this season, Mike. And we haven't mentioned yet, but when a player like Steph goes down, you're kind of assuming everyone else will be healthy. But like Andrew Wiggins has missed, I think, the last five games Mm -hmm. with an adductor strain. And he just started practicing. I don't know when he's going to actually 
rejoin the team, he might be their second best player to be serious. So like they could be down their top two players and he's, Mm -hmm. he was indispensable for them in the, in the postseason last year. So, I mean, his health, and then you're obviously at risk of anyone else going down on the team. This is not a deep team. I think that they made two, one critical mistake in the offseason after winning the title was not bringing back Gary Payton the second. I thought he was like humongous for them. I mean, they mm-hmm. inserted him in the starting lineup in the finals and it kind of changed the series a little bit. 100%. Otto Porter Jr., another veteran three-point yep. shooter, also inserted into the starting lineup in the finals, helped them win the championship. So losing those two veterans and we don't have to rehash their plan of you know straddling these two timelines, but... That's what they wanted to do coming into this season. They wanted Wiseman. They wanted Kaminga. They wanted Moody to play bigger roles. And Wiseman is just bad in the G League. Kaminga's shown something. Um, we're going to talk about the Celtics later. He was pretty good in that game against the He's Celtics. He's got great motor, elite athleticism. And so, like, you put those things together, he makes things happen on the floor. Like, he's aggressive. Mm-hmm. He's forcing people to put him on the free throw line. Yeah, I think he just needs more opportunity to get the sort of nuances down. But yeah, he's he's looked great. So his he'll have more opportunity, I think, going forward offensively, for sure. They're going to need something from him. They're going to need stuff from Moses Moody, who I like a lot. DiVincendo's played okay. But, you know, one of the stats I was just looking at on-off splits with some of the players on the team, I, I don't mean to pick on Jordan Poole, who I just... He's I just stunk it up this year. <laughs> he yeah. just hasn't been good, but his usage rate when he's on the floor with Steph is 20. And that's like a good number for him. And he's very efficient when in those minutes. His usage rate when Steph isn't on the floor is 34. That's like Luca. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like it's just it's it's way too high. So I'm sure they'll temper that knowing that Steph is not gonna save them and they need to play a different way, but it's just it's just pretty concerning. And so here's here's the thing, Mike, that 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 is really, really concerning for me. It's last year when Ja went out for Memphis, they replaced his minutes with players who were vastly better defenders. And so while they were losing all of Ja's juice on offense, they were making these huge leaps on defense in the minutes they were replacing him on the floor with. So the equation they used to get to wins, you know, it changed, but there was a path there because they became this like high effort, high execution defensive team with Ja not on the floor, right? This high athleticism, like they were swarming people. It became like, oh, okay. To your point, not only did they add the best backup point guard, in the yes. league when Chow went out. So they have Tyus Jones, which is just like a huge luxury. But yeah, that team knew how to play without Ja to yes. everything that you're saying. They had an identity. Yes. Steph Curry is the identity. Yes. <laughs> so so it, it gets pretty tricky when he's out for an extended period. Yeah, and, and again, not to have another pool party, but yeah, Jordan Poole ain't that. He's not going to improve upon anything that Steph does. Like, he's not a better defender by any stretch of the imagination. And obviously, you know, Steph Curry, it's, yo, people could say, if Jordan is, if, if Jordan is the greatest offensive player we've ever seen, Steph Curry is probably number two. 
You know, like there's an extremely strong argument there for Steph is that. And obviously we can't expect Jordan Poole to do that. But again, he's not improving upon anything that Steph does. And some people would say, well, you know, Steph's not the greatest defender. It's like, no, Jordan Poole is by degrees worse. He's bad. A defender, yeah. So... So, oh, man, I'm, I'm worried about the Warriors, man. I'm finally, finally worried about this team's prospects this year. So, could I say, like, let's say, hypothetically, he misses three weeks and they just go on a total tailspin. Like, the Timberwolves jump them. The Lakers jump them. The Thunder oh my God. don't sit Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They oh my jump God. them. God forbid. Like, what, what, what? what? does Golden State do? Is there like any percentage point that they are like, screw this, let's just try to get Victor Wimbanyama, like we're light years ahead here? Like what, mm. like, what I, like, is there any percentage chance of that? They would have to do it with too many guys to even put themselves in a reasonable position as, as far as like the fake, you know, calf injury, the fake uh, hammies, the fake back stuff, you know, the kind of things you can't prove in a freaking MRI. They got too many guys to do that with. This is the thing, though. This is why I think they're behind the eight ball. I think the Warriors are fully capable of just turning on a switch where they treat every game quite seriously and they win, like, I don't know, 75% of their games. Close to 80% of their games when Steph comes back. I think the talent is there to do that. If they're treating every single game the way they did game four against the Celtics in the finals last year. The problem with that is your guys are old. They cannot be expected to expend themselves that way over the course of like, say, 30, 40 games. And then do it again in the playoffs? No, like these dudes are too old for that. Like that's the problem with the 82 game season. Like it it doesn't favor people who have a lot of mileage on them already. And not just they've played a bunch of regular season. These guys have made a bunch of deep playoff runs. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of these guys. And so, man, yeah, um, this is, you know, break class, glass in case of emergency, whatever situation, whatever y'all got in that glass, Golden State, y'all better get it right now because this is this is bad. So then, I mean, the other side of the coin there is if they do tread water here and maybe go 500, they've been a 500 team this season with Steph. So if they manage to do that, tread water, stay 500, do you think there's an urgency then to get really aggressive with the James Weissman, Moody, Kaminga trade offers here. And like, I don't know what fake trades are out there for Weissman right now. I don't think he has any like real value around the NBA. So I don't even know what this hypothetical could yield, but do you get more aggressive to upgrade to get a more veteran established peace contributor on your roster quicker than you otherwise would? So to me, Kaminga's off the table. Off the table? Off the table. Off the table. Because the kind of player he is is precisely who you need next to Seth. Athletic wing. And by athletic, I mean this guy can guard uh, the bigger wings when he's playing his best. He runs the floor. He's a vertical threat. The kind of 
players that you that really can thrive around the gravity that Steph attracts and you know you can put him on the guys you don't want to have Steph expending himself guarding on defense so if Kaminga's on the table you need to be trading for somebody who is established mm-hmm. in all of those skill sets right I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe Grant in Portland, right? Somebody in that mold where it's just like, no, we have, we're going to trade the potential of Kaminga for somebody who already does maybe a lesser version of what the greatest expectation for what Kaminga could be, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's not the, the, the most optimistic forecast for Kaminga, but he's under it, but he's, we've established like he is actually that, whereas Kaminga is still theoretical. So to me, because of Kaminga's skill set and what that means next to Steph, I'm not moving that dude. I'm not. But yeah, if you can get something for Moody and Wiseman and somebody wants to be like, oh, because you know, a lot of, you've talked to GM types, Mike, you know, every single GM um, sort of player development guys like, let me get that guy in my building. Watch, I'll turn him into Shaq. You know, a lot of guys will feel that way, right? Like they think they got the special sauce. So if you could do something with Wiseman, do that. I'm not moving Kaminga, man. Yeah, maybe those, I, I don't know, any GM talking like that hasn't been watching the Santa Cruz Warriors, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, Golden State is something we're really monitoring. And I'll say this so that we can get off of them and get to Boston. I'm appreciative of Golden State for collectively taking on the LeBron mantle of constantly churning out drama for us to dissect <laughs> as NBA watchers. Like, this team is always producing interesting stories. We don't need to get into what happened in the offseason and all of that, but, like, they are just constantly producing stuff that I want to pay attention to. And, you know, I hate that Steph got injured, but I really want to see how this, these guys are going to respond to this. I mean, even right before the Celtics-Warriors game on Saturday night, it was like, Bob Myers doesn't have his co- a contract right, extension. Right. So they're always up to <laughs> always, something out always, there. Always, always, <laughs> And I'm grateful because of the job that I have. Looking to get more of the NBA this season? Well, now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to touchdown scores to over-under yards. Look, it's Friday night. The Warriors are playing the 76ers on the road in their first game since the Steph injury. Everybody is burying Golden State. They're digging a grave for these guys. This is a veteran group with pride. They are nine-point underdogs, which is a crazy amount for literally any NBA game. I like that money line at plus 330. Uh, I think they'll outright win this game just out of pride. This happens in the NBA all the time. I can see the Sixers being, you know, like, ah, this game is not going to be that serious. The best player in the world is not even playing. So give me that Golden State money line at plus 330. I love the value on that one. 
Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel is also live in Maryland. Marylanders, make sure you get in on the action also with great offers, boosts just for you. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code RINGERNBA. That's promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more with FanDuel, and an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man. I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. So, yeah, let's move on to the Celtics, which I mentioned that briefly at the top of the show. And, you know, I watched the Warriors game, and to me, that was a bit of lack of mental toughness to me in the sense that the Warriors, they understood the moment, and they could go out and actually treat it like that. Whereas it felt like the Celtics just felt unsure of what they wanted to do. And a team that you played six playoff games against that you basically are measuring yourself against as they won the NBA championship, it felt like the Celtics didn't quite meet that moment. And Jason Tatum particularly just looked hesitant. 
I'm not saying he was scared. He just felt unsure about how he wanted to attack Golden State. I think a lot of that, and, you know, Warriors fans know, is Draymond Green on defense. Like, he just gums up so much of the works for what the Celtics are trying to do, particularly inside, on pick and roll. Like, he's just so great at timing their attacks his instincts are just, it's just all-time great. Draymond is is definitely in the Celtics' heads. But I just feel like they didn't meet the moment, Mike. What, what did you think about that Golden State game? Yeah, I think there's certain truths to what you're saying, for sure. Tatum, in particular, played his worst game of the season, probably. Just super inefficient, super indecisive. As a team, I thought that, they they looked like the team from the finals when they spent this entire regular season evolving from that mm-hmm. group, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, they weren't driving, kicking, having confidence yep. in their offense, letting the ball flow, playing free, playing with pace in the half court. Like, the ball was just kind of bogged down, and you have to credit Golden State's defense. I also thought that Golden State was, like, really up for that game, like yeah. it was their Super Bowl. Yes. And... As they should be. It was a it was a quote unquote big game for December in the NBA, right? Yeah. Like everyone was watching that game. You know, I think that Clay shot the lights out. Celtics that, missed a bunch important. of threes. Mm-hmm. And it's just one game. But yeah. Tatum, it's kind of difficult to like I'm sure he was in his head and he, I don't know if he'll ever admit it. I think for what you're trying to say game. is that me and you have gone out and said Tatum has played at an MVP level all season. And he just, it, it's cool to miss shots and still play at an MB, MVP level. He didn't play like that against the Warriors. No, I think he had two assists, I want to say. Like, yeah. it just, he wasn't making plays. He wasn't reading the floor, wasn't forcing turnovers, just wasn't being the active guy who, you're right, when shots aren't falling, he's found a way to have a positive impact on the games this entire season. And that just wasn't, it just wasn't his night for whatever reason. I mean, everything else, honestly, besides like shots not falling and Horford not playing, and Horford's like pretty big part of their Mm -hmm. team and how they space the floor. Like they started Blake Griffin at the five. They're playing Luke Cornett at the five. They're dropped. They didn't really, it took a while for Joe Missoula to go to a a small group that could switch everything, which I thought was like, this is the regular season and I don't care type of attitude from their head coach, which is fine. (laughs) But yeah, you're dropping with Blake, you're, Dropping with Vonley, you're dropping with Cornette, and it's like Clay's not missing shots. So maybe we should switch <laughs> this up should, a little yeah, bit. Press up on that guy. Yeah. So, you know, you can parse everything from one little game, but I think in the aggregate, just like expounding upon their road trip, 11 day, six game road trip, they managed to go four and two. Mm-hmm. The Clipper game was also like. I felt like that was Golden State hangover. It could have been. I've watched almost every minute of Kawhi's season so far because there's only been like 14 of them. Mm-hmm. And he's... That was a joke, Waz. You can laugh at my jokes. No. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I thought you were making a point, but yes, I did. <laughs> but he looked tremendous. Like he right. was moving well. He was... When he knew he, there was one play that was just like so. Like first of all, he's making every shot. The pull ups get into his spots. Mm-hmm. Like that's just peak Kawhi. But like 
he knew that Jalen Brown had, I think it was three fouls late in the second quarter. And he's just like, I'm driving to the basket right by this guy because he's not going to touch me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like really smart Kawhi too. And that was awesome to see. And I think when, I don't think, I know when Kawhi and PG are on the court together, their net ratings like 18 this season, mm-hmm. not a huge sample size, but they're really good. That team is really good. So on the road and to your point, Maybe they didn't shake off like the humiliation of losing on national television the way that they did. It wasn't, they didn't bounce back as quickly as you would have liked to see. Mm-hmm. And then one night later, there's that really entertaining game against the Lakers that could have gone either way. And you want to talk about like a team where that's their Super Bowl? Like the Lakers played LeBron and AD. I don't even know how many minutes. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. Like, they, they wanted to win that, that game, game badly. And they should have. They should have. But, you know, such is life. They were up 13 with, I think, two and a half minutes to go. You got to win that game. Yeah. yeah. But so, I mean, generally speaking, I think we're recording this on Friday and Rob Williams, I, be- I believe, is making a season debut tonight against the Magic. So he's their third best player, in my opinion. Getting him mm-hmm. back is huge. If he's healthy, they're just like a in just a different basketball team. Yes, they are. And it'll be really interesting to see how he impacts the offense, upgrades the defense, which has been playing pretty well lately. So, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned over one loss. And as we spent the first, like, 15 minutes of this conversation talking, it's like, I don't think they're going to play the war. If they get to the finals, I don't think they're going to play the Warriors in the finals mm. this year. I don't think there'll be a rematch. It, maybe. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> it mm. could happen. Mm. Who knows? Mm. But a lot of basketball left to be played. But if that team is their kryptonite, I don't think they have too much to worry about on their path to avenging what happened last season to them. So I do want to say I'm of the opinion that collectively they have the most talent in the, the best talent in the NBA. The Celtics, that is. That's my opinion, especially if Robert Williams is even close to healthy. Like, to me, they're just, they got the most talent. They're the most athletic. They have enough skill around that athleticism to make things work. To me, they got the best team if they're healthy. And with Robert Williams, that's a big-ass if because he's, you know, it's very contingent upon his presence, the type of team they can be. And... You know, the Warriors can do that. Like, there's a reason that those dudes have won all those damn championships and they've won all these playoff series. And Sam told me a stat that they haven't they haven't played in a playoff series. Think about all the playoff series they've been in since Steph got there mm-hmm. that went less than six games. Meaning they haven't lost a series in five. They've never been swept. The, like, the, the worst they've ever been beaten is six games in the playoffs, right? Which to me just speaks like they're good. They're hard to beat every time. You know what I mean? So They're an all-time dynasty. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, Golden State playing their absolute hardest and, and wanting it and beating you in one given game is not something to be ashamed of. Robert Williams is coming back. You know, if, if the panic meter for Golden State with this Steph injury is an 11 out of 10, I'm basically at a 3 out of 10 with the Celtics just because of this, you know, this blip against Kawhi and them and this blip against Golden State. Like, I'm, I'm just not tripping off of that. However, if they do get to the finals, uh, they got to beat the Bucks. And 
The Bucks absolutely creamed Golden State <laughs> right after the Celtics shit the bed against them. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to be a freaking dogfight if they have to play those guys. How are you feeling about that matchup? It's December. We essentially have four months plus until this would ever be a thing. But right now, what's your temperature gauge on Celtics v. Bucks? That's a really good question. I mean, Milwaukee is a fascinating team for so many different reasons. How they're trying to reintegrate Chris Middleton into everything. How great they've been on the defensive end. How they've struggled on offense. Uh, how Giannis is just... hes leads the league in usage. His true shooting is barely above league average. He's... He just... Like... Nobody wants to play him, but like the Celtics have a not a blueprint to slow him down, but I thought they did a pretty good job in that playoff series of how you want to guard Giannis. And if you're disciplined and you don't turn it over, which the Celtics have done a really good job this season of not doing, and you keep them out of transition in the open floor, like their half court offense has been really bad this year. Their half court offense with Giannis on the floor has been bad this year. And I know Middleton is a humongous part of that. So I think health is just like, that could be what it comes down to hmm. for both these teams when the they meet most up. Most bodies, right. And I don't know, like it's, they're both really good squads. I also want to see how each team kind of deals with the trade deadline. You hmm. look at a team like the Celtics, you say, oh, they don't need anything, but you have Danilo Gallinari's contract, you have future picks, you could move. Like, so it could be, they could make a move and then, you know, there's things to be, uh, the the Bucks have been interested in a Jay Crowder type or Jay Crowder um, all season. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, getting him could change the calculus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He's a winner. He's exactly what they need as someone who can defend up a position, hit threes, really fits well around Giannis. I think he would be wonderful there if they can, they can get him from Phoenix. So there's just so much time left. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they match up against each other on Christmas Day. That's going to be such a fun game. And I don't know, from here on out, like I like the fact that I like how Boston's offense has just been borderline historic this entire mm-hmm. season and haven't they haven't had their best defender, but the defense has been okay. So, I mean, if I'm looking at which team is better at this point, I, I like Boston. I think Boston's deeper as well. And Malcolm Brogdon, the little Malcolm Brogdon revenge factor there, you know, former Buck, he's a difference maker for the Celtics versus what they were last season, particularly with their crunch time offense. Mm -hmm. So I like them a little bit more, but a lot of basketball to be played. A lot of 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 basketball basketball left to to be played. I think those teams are neck and neck, but obviously I just think the Celtics have more and in a series, I think it'll come down to execution and just make a misleague shit, but they're very close, very, very close, particularly with the way Brooke Lopez is playing this year. I, I've just been blown away by him and his contributions, but that's our show for today, man. Michael Pina, thank you for coming on. Check him out at the ringer.com. This man is prolific in his output for us. Mike, man, anything else you want to tell the people? No, we just know, as I say, something I want to share. <laughs> <laughs> we did a uh, at the NBA Ranked on the ringer.com this week. Everyone should check that out. There's a lot of good stuff, including our top 100 list. I, I'll just say, 
for public record, and this is going to annoy everyone else, but I had Jokic number one. I'm very upset that Jokic was not <laughs> number one on our top 100. <laughs> Love Salute. Jokic. Salute. But everyone go check that out. It took a lot of time. A lot of people worked on it, and it looks great. So yes, that's pretty I, much I it. I had a very minuscule contribution, but yes, I played a little baby part in that list. It's so dope, so comprehensive. Go check that out on TheRinger.com right now. Again, uh, this was Weekends. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Hey.